0: next installment of the SUAS News podcast series where we interview newsmakers and discuss the news and applications relevant to the global unmanned technologies community. I'm your program host Patrick Egan and as always let's say hello and welcome to our co-host Mr. Gene Robinson. Hey Gene how's it going?
1: Good day Mr. Patrick and how are you sir?
0: doing good you know another another sunny day out here in wonderful california um you know not near the fire so i'm doing pretty good stay stay out of the fire uh yeah but how about yourself
1: uh we are well over here we are uh experiencing you know quite the heat wave still we're hoping that uh september will kind of cool us down a little bit but uh other than that we are at least not on fire uh, that is one of the good things we are celebrating the anniversary of the bastrop fire which occurred this past weekend which was probably one of the more devastating fires here in in uh in texas uh because of the number of homes that it destroyed and the ferocity of the fire itself i've uh I uh, had the, uh, the duty of going over and surveying, flying some of that and surveying some of the damage. And, uh, you know, until you really look at what one of these fires can do, it is just incredible. It's it's along the lines of a tornado or, or even worse because there's nothing but ash. And it is just devastating, the look of the land after it's gone through and, I just can't imagine what the Yosemite fire looks like from even a mile away, because the pictures that I've seen from the ground with flames hundreds of feet in the air just are incredible. But it's it's good that we're now seeing some positive use. I mean, that's we always ask about things that that catch your eye at the at the beginning of the show and. The fact that they are using an unmanned aircraft, and it is the P word, it is the Predator, and it is a military asset, but uh, by golly, it's it's getting out there and it's doing some good because as I understand it, the commanders are able to see the video real time now, which is mm. something that hasn't been available to them in the past.
0: It is good, um, you know. The uh, I still think that the the cost per hour thing is prohibitive, but hey, uh, let's let's do it. Let's uh, let's use one of these things for some good. Let's see what we get out of it. And uh, really, it took, uh, you know, I guess better late than never. I don't want to be an Eeyore again.
1: <laughs> well, uh, you know. Given, given that uh, a military operation, I don't care what you say, is going to be more expensive than a commercial civilian operation. That's just the way it works. But to get to this point, to be able to get out and show that, wow, this is something that is a real help and that is something that can help the IC guys, the instant command on the ground, keep their people safe and to, to actually combat this thing and, and Fight the hot spots and the the backfires that start and that sort of thing. I, I, you know, I'm all about thinking, you know, regardless of who made it and who's flying it, this this is a good deal. Yeah, it's it's expensive, but uh, the the benefits to be derived when you consider the billions of dollars worth of damage that are being done. No question in my mind. Roll it out. You know, do anything you can to save as many trees and houses as you possibly can.
0: Right, right. So yeah, it's a good overall it's a, I'm gonna put it the positive column. For sure. So all right, well moving along. Today's uh, cause that is good news, we'll have to see what comes out of it. I'm sure we'll be talking about more about that in the future. But uh oh, yeah. let's uh let's bring on today we're gonna talk to three of the people behind the drone and the aerial robotics conference our DA- or dark as it's being called and we have conference director Ben Moskowitz, Christopher Wong and director of research uh Leah Rosen. So we're going to bring them on and uh, we're going to have them discuss a little bit about the um discuss a little about the conference. So I think you know what we'll do first is uh we'll do it in order here and we'll bring on uh, Ben Moskowitz first and I was wondering Ben are you there first off? Do we have Ben or no Ben? Sounds like we don't have Ben. Okay, how about Christopher? Christopher Wong, you out there?
2: Yeah, hey, can you hear me, Pat?
0: I can hear you. I can hear you now.
2: Um how you doing? Ben is actually gonna jump on in just one second here. I gotta just forward him the uh the uh the number real quick.
0: Okay. Uh, well then Maybe uh, maybe you could introduce yourself to the audience and give us a little bio about yourself and, and how you got uh, involved with unmanned aircraft systems.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, and just first, thank you so much, Patrick, for having us today. We really appreciate it. Um, sure. Uh, I'm, I'm Christopher Wong. I'm the Executive Director of the Engelberg Center on Innovation Law and Policy, uh, which is a at NYU School of Law that focuses on uh, issues that are generally associated with innovation. Um, and so, what we typically focus on um, things like intellectual property. Um, we have a strong focus in competition and a very strong focus in information law. So, things like privacy and um, surveillance. And so, that's sort of um, how I guess. The, so, I work at this center, and that's sort of how we got interested in the drone phenomenon, uh, the UAS, UAV phenomenon, um, is that this is sort of a new technology that kind of crosses a lot of the different um, things that are of interest to us in the uh, in, in, this, in this sort of legal academic space that we function in. Um, yeah. So there well, are a ton of um, innovation law and policy issues that sort of come to the forefront when you talk about uh, UAVs. And, and so we decided that one of the really important things to do whenever there's a new technology that's... Um, sort of set, proliferate in in the near future. Um, it's certainly great to to at least first start a dialogue of some sort. Um but we also know that um with the sort of with the integration deadline on the horizon, um we do know that there will be at least some opportunities for um uh for influencing uh some of the policy issues that come along with this as well as the law. And so we thought that one of the really good ways that we could do this was to pull together something like uh dark in order to bring together really massively disciplinary uh group of people to the table and give them a forum for 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 considering you know for discussing ways that these unmanned systems affect society um as well as coming up with some ways uh, to take to take some action the uh deadline approaches.
0: Alright, okay. Well let's let's not get too far ahead. Let's let's do the introductions here first. Um but that that's pretty good. Okay, is, is Ben with us now?
3: Hey, good morning guys.
0: Hey hey Ben. Uh maybe you could kinda do the same. Give us an introduction, um uh, little bio and uh how you got uh interested or involved with unmanned aircraft systems.
3: Sure. So uh, that's a very good question because uh, I think like most of the folks who sort of initiated the conference, uh, we don't really have anything to do with uh, UAS, and yet we're really interested in them as technologists and as, as legal scholars. Um, my day job, I happen to work at Mozilla, which is the non-profit uh, organization that makes the Firefox Web Browser, um, and I'm also involved in some uh, sort of uh, legal scholarship. I, I have... Uh, Kind of a personal history of doing technology advocacy, um, and I guess like Chris was just explaining, uh, I mean we've all been reading about UAS in the news, and uh, you know uh, we've, we've built you know small hobby quadcopters just sort of out of interest, and we all see the potential for UAS to uh, you know, really change the way that a lot of industries work, uh, but also to upend some of the balances, the balance of that we have uh in certain places, so we we look at the essential interests that people have um in in privacy, and you know obviously that can be a bit of a red herring when you talk about u a s but at the same time uh there's a whole history of legislation and regulation and jurisprudence around how privacy works and how we balance people's interests in privacy and you know u s obviously uh you know, throw a throw in now um but also, you know, I think I mean, Chris Chris will un, unpack this a little bit. Um, we, we're really trying not to, uh, you know, zero in on privacy as, like, the one big thing for this event. I mean, that's one part of a really massive legal landscape that we're going to need to take a look at. Um, and when you look at innovation law and policy broadly, you know, there's lots of questions around automation, um, secrecy, um, intellectual property, uh, and 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 so on and so on. And Chris is the lawyer. I think will help us pack some of that. Um, we're really excited.
0: Good, good. All right. And then uh, finally, Leah, are are you there?
4: I am. Hi.
0: <laughs> you are. And so maybe you could uh, oblige us kind of with the same uh, introduction and uh, how you got interested in unmanned aircraft systems.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I'm a lawyer, um, like Chris, but unlike Chris, I am not in academia. I'm based in Oakland, California. Um, And I've done some work uh, early on kind of in my career. I've done work that involved law, technology, and sort of human life and civil society. So I did some work with the Electronic Frontier Foundation, which deals with sort of civil liberties and technology issues. Um, I did some uh, work... I was less tech-focused on human rights, but I tried to bring my interest in technology into that. Um, And through just sort of working with a lot of interesting people and having a broad interest in how technology and people interact as the technology develops, um, I eventually became uh, really interested in UAVs, and unmanned aircraft systems, um, because, and I think this is true of all three of us, as I was struck by how um, intensely uh, people react to them. Um, and it almost seems to me like there might be something unique about the ways that people understand this specific kind of technology, this kind of aerial robotics. So I did some work on it in law school, and I wound up writing... Um, a piece on uh, unmanned aircraft for um, the student's publication of the ACM, the Association for Computing Machinery, um, and then I was asked to write um, a more broad uh, audience, popular audience piece on the FAA Modernization and Reform Act for a publication called The New Inquiry. And sort of one thing led to another, and I'm privileged to know Chris and Ben through my kind of social circle. Um, so I was brought on kind of on the ground floor when I, I discovered that they were thinking about maybe pulling together um a different kind of conference about this technology
3: mm-hmm.
0: and you were you were also at the uh the small unmanned systems business expo that
4: uh i was. that we threw. i was which was a terrific uh, event and i I continue to regale people with anecdotes about it um i uh yeah and I thought. That that was was, it's a really interesting event because I think, um, you know, in a sense, it it, I mean it was more um, more boundary pushing than I think uh, than I think was obvious simply because I mean even calling it the small unmanned systems business expo kind of I mean the small unmanned systems business is still sort of nascent right so. It's very forward-thinking, which I think is something that, that we share, um, in spite of the fact that we come from a different uh, kind of sector.
0: Well, it's interesting that you say that. And, and you know, one of the uh, – I, I appreciate the, the kind words about the expo. It was uh, more than I thought it was going to be. But uh, it, it is kind of an interesting thing. And, and one of the reasons that uh, I'm going to speak at the, the Dark Show is it seems like um, – there's there's a there's a wide or a, a gulf in uh, kind of information or or history in this deal, and I think that that's kind of one thing that I, I bring to the table. But I mean, this this used to be a, a thriving business, the commercial use of unmanned aircraft systems, and actually, it still is. And uh, you know, I mean, there there are thousands, tens, probably tens of thousands of people who go out and do this commercially. They just do it kind of under the radar and in the closet. But how does that, you know, I, I guess from the other side, kind of the law side of things, and people talking about privacy and whatever else, how does that fit into the equation? Are people, have anybody, has anybody really been complaining about their privacy being violated by uh, all the people that are already flying, let's say commercially? Well, think, does anyone yeah. want to?
3: Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, just to kind of reiterate, like the, the privacy thing is maybe one-tenth of the slice of the pie that we're baking Um, you know, we're we're sort of taking a long-range view um, and and it's it's sort of a think tank, right? So Dark is a bit of a think tank where we're saying, let's get the people manufacturing UAS, uh, let's get the people flying UAS, uh, let's get the people drafting the regulatory and legal frameworks for UAS, um, and, you know, let's look at the next 10, 15, maybe even 50 or 100 years of automation and, and, and UAS. And so, Um, We're going to avoid, to the extent possible, kind of pigeonholing on, you know, well, you know, is someone going to be snooping on me in my backyard or through my window? Because I think you're totally right that that's a red herring. You know, but at the same time, there are questions around the First Amendment that need to be ironed out, right? And so, like, we're really interested in drone journalism. And when you start to drill down on, on what a drone journalist is and what the protocol for doing drone journalism should be, you know, and what happens when you get the shot? And how do you get the shot? And you know, is, is there a duty of care around ethics, or you know, should the operator and the journalist be two different people? You know, should the, should the drone journalist ever be the guy flying the UAS? You know, because maybe that puts people um, in a weird and, and awkward and unethical position. So it's not it's not like we want to get a whole bunch of smart people in a room. You know, 500 smart people in a room and waste their time on well, you know, I'm just going to be by privacy, but we really do want to look at um, some of the specific questions that may have been unexamined or, or need more attention. Hmm. And
0: uh, I, I think, I, Draw. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. You finish your thought there.
3: Yeah, I, I just wanted to also say, you know, you're, you're totally right. One of the things that we're hoping to do in the event is to get uh, you know, people who have a legacy, you know, of, of working in this space and to tell that story – um, you know, there are few people who will be taking part in our event who, you know, perhaps their livelihood or, uh, you know, some part of their business was reliant on UAS. And because of regulatory changes, uh, you know, they've actually had to sort of backtrack. And so a big part of the event, too, is how can we stay competitive, you know, as America? If you look at um, sort of the competitive drone law landscape, we're going to have people who – Uh, Study the regulations in the EU um, and in other states, and so you know we're we're also going to be looking at not just in the United States, uh, you know, also globally what is the sort of regime for flying this stuff um, Hmm. in the private sector. Uh, Well,
0: that's uh, that's interesting, and I guess that's good because uh, I've noticed that you know, well, I mean, I don't want to talk before the show, but it's just uh, one of those things that it kind of it. (sighs) The argument seems compartmentalized to me. You know that that the, what what about drones? I mean, it's been going on the safety thing, the privacy thing, and then the uh, kind of the the let's say presidential administrative thing, the human rights thing. I mean, these are these are kind of all broad brushes. But uh, Gene, do you have anything to add on what's been discussed thus far?
1: Well, and you'll have to to bear with me here because I don't know if the sunspot is right over Texas or not, because uh, half the conversation I've been missing out on dropping out. So uh, one thing that that I would like to comment on that I like the approach that you guys are taking is that it's not only about unmanned aircraft. Uh, Robotics in general, I think, is going to be a huge topic, whether it's a driverless car, whether it's a... Uh, a machine doing you know repetitive tasks and you know I go back to the the iRobot days and Ray Bradbury and all that stuff where the uh, the, the three laws of robotics come in and you know we're we're rapidly reaching that point so I'm I'm looking forward to that sort of thing and and I think you guys are on the right track.
4: I want, I wonder Patrick if I could jump in for a sec uh, just sure. to comment on what Jean said. I think that's a really interesting point, point. Um, and one of the things that has been lacking in the discussion, which, like you said, I, and I think we, the three of us, agree, um, it's been unnecessarily compartmentalized, or maybe necessarily, you know, for reasons of uh, economy, but not helpfully in terms of moving the conversation forward. So the, you know, one of the reasons that I am so excited about the conference is that we're trying to look at the... The bigger lens of, you know, I mean, we can tell, as people who come from a law and policy back, background primarily, we're very familiar with the privacy concerns and the sort of free speech concerns. Um, and then the question becomes, um, you know, where those really come from? We, we can sense that there's a lot of public discomfort around the idea of unmanned aircraft, but then, you know, sort of trying, like Ben said, to sort of drill down into that issue and ask, you know, what is that really discomfort about? And I think that Gene is on the right track when he says that a lot of this has to do with robotics generally and with our kind of cultural discomfort with automation. Um, so that's something that I think is worth um, kind of unpacking and then um, identifying so that we don't fall into the trap of, you know, kind of getting stuck in a conversation just um, yeah. we haven't addressed it.
3: And, and, you know, one other thing, Um, all all those lawyers and and scholars that are there, Um, unlike maybe some other uh, similar events where people are are kind of talking about, well, why should we be afraid of drones, Um, and how should we limit the use of drones, we are going to have people who are very firmly looking at how can we um, enshrine the right to drones. Uh, Is there a First Amendment argument for drones? Is there a Second Amendment argument for drones? Um, you know, does the media need to have access to this? Do, does the private sector need to have access to this? And, and what are the bases on which we build? You know, uh, the idea that civilian UAS uh, is not something that we should be limiting, but rather enabling and, and strengthening, uh, you know, as an industry. And I think that's another difference between you know what we're doing versus some of the more pure think tank events you've seen by the New America Foundation or, or so on. I mean, we're really building and that if it goes well, uh, we would like to do it year in, year out, um, and have to sort of form as a space for the industry and the community to sort of um, continue building on that momentum.
0: Hmm. I did notice, you know, talking to people in the industry, and I talked about your show and, uh, you know, to, to ask them about their participation or whatever, and I, say, I will say that there was a little bit of apprehension and you know maybe it's because they, they you're kind of unknown in the space, or possibly you know some of the lineup. Like I was saying, I mean the the lineup of speakers. Uh, there are a lot of people that are dealing with human rights and law and things like that. And I think even from my own experience doing UC Berkeley Law and doing the Berkeley Drone Town Hall meeting and a fu- and a few other. Uh, Even ABA, the American Bar Association show, it seems like industry people kind of get, let's say, sandbagged with uh, a a, a myriad of of red herring type of uh, arguments, and some of them even border on the absurd. I mean, even at the the ABA thing... no, uh, I forget uh, the woman's name exactly from EFF. I mean, it, it got. It, I mean, it was getting absurd. You know, I mean, uh, drones seems to be equated to uh, all of the ills. I mean, at Berkeley, the Berkeley uh, town hall meeting, it was you know, demise of the Black Panthers, Vietnam War. Um, <laughs> I mean, it just went on and on, but even at at ABA, um, EFF likened it to, you know, was putting it right up there with rape and making comparisons. I mean, to me, it's absurd. We're talking about the technology.
3: Patrick, this is definitely a challenge. I think, um, you know, we we have a lot of things that we're doing to keep this as constructive as possible. So, for starters, we shaped the program around an open call for proposals. So, this is pointed at both lawyers uh, but also people who uh, are in the U.S. industry. We said, you know, what would you like to tackle in this event? You know, wh- what do you want to talk about in a roundtable, or well, what's the working group that you want to convene to solve a legal problem? And we had uh, quite a few submissions, and, you know, we could very clearly weed out the ones that were kind of crazy or, or off the mark. Um, so the, the sort of backbone of programming that we have is from people who are really doing serious work in this space. And I think that's the first thing I would say. Um If you look at the way the event works, uh, day one is is pretty much a show. So uh, we have an auditorium. We're going to have a bunch of really interesting talks and panels. We're going to have a few indoor demos on the evening, which is kind of cool. The second day of the conference is nothing at all like that. So we won't have a stage where people are sort of in an auditorium watching, um, but we'll have six or seven concurrent sessions going all day, Um, kind of like a bigger – Uh, Industry conference, but uh, instead of coming in and watching a panel on safety, for instance, um, and what the safety concerns are, uh, you know, and how um, sensing evade will be implemented, and so on, you'll be sitting in a roundtable, you know, actually interactively engaging in an effort to draft a best practices guide for that, or uh, an article that will explain to to laymen what's happening. Uh, or some other sort of tangible output. So the second day of the conference is much more like a think tank in that people are working together on things like this rather than just blabbing. This right? we, just really a doing, you know, hacking, not hacking kind of environment. Um, and I think that you'll you'll find that people who are really off the mark will get neutralized. Right? If, if, uh, if someone comes in and starts talking about uh, drones being analogous to dragons in medieval lore, you know, they're gonna kinda of get neutralized when, when you've got the FAA guy, um, and the industry guy, uh, and and the lawyer in the room. So I think that's that's sort of what we're counting on and um and we're we're trying to build a serious space here.
0: Did you get uh you have participation from the FAA Is someone coming? Uh
2: we're still working on it. We've been, we've had a lot of talks with folks at at uh at the Department of Transportation about it and actually um it ties in to the point you're making about, about industry and uh the way that these kinds of things are viewed um typically um you know one of the one of the big criticisms is that we are you know potentially looking too academic and too civil libertarian um and so you know what Ben is describing is is sort of a uh, a very purposeful design that we we've, we've tried to undertake um in order to create a much better uh uh, a much better sort of uh, experience for people. You know, what we, especially, you know, from speaking for myself, it, um, as a legal academic, you know, we tend to look at these sorts of opportunities for, for changing policy through a very uh, narrow academic uh, lens. Um, and so, you know, one of the really interesting things and one of the things about DARK that I'm very excited about is is this idea that we will bring together uh, so many different voices, and so while we haven't announced anyone from the FAA just yet, you know we are we are you know we've confirmed um Robbie Hood from NOAA. Um, we've got a few folks from from NASA coming. Um, obviously, our uh, our keynote speaker is Vijay Kumar, who is speaking on his own behalf, um, but you know and uh, is on leave from his uh, UPenn uh, professorship as the uh, director of uh, uh, robotics and cyber-physical systems at the White House OSGP, and so we're very serious about trying to create a very interdisciplinary space for all of this to happen. We don't want, um, you know, we don't want these working groups and these workshops and these roundtables to, you know, we want them. We don't want them to reflect what we within like academia um, and what civil libertarians are really concerned about without addressing. You know what are the sort of practicalities that we can and what are the practical issues and perspectives that you can bring in um by including people that are part of industry and so we're we're working hard on trying to do that right now
4: yeah and if and if I could jump in just, uh, just one more time just to to point something up is uh it has been really interesting just in organizing the conference with Chris and ben um i Feel as though, and this is something, Patrick, that I think you and I have have talked about once or twice as well. That uh, increasingly, what I see is that there's a there's a real cultural divide between the sort of academia that we, I suppose, represent, which you know accounts, I think, reasonably for a lot of the industry um, kind of uncertainty about our event. Um, so there's a big cultural divide between that kind of world and the and industry, um, and yet. Especially after going to the small and systems business expo, I really think that if you know, if we sort of think through the the uncomfortable topics of conversation, which include things like privacy and the First Amendment, and it's not so much because I don't think that it's really that we all totally disagree. I think that there's just big, complicated questions that are hard, and I think that ultimately the The entrepreneurial side of the of the UAV world and the kind of civil libertarian side actually actually have very similar interests at heart. I think that for the most part, at least the people that Ben and Chris and I have convened to come to the conference and be part of our network of sort of legal minds, we're all people who are really invested in a future that enables us to access the promise of this technology without violating the the things that people in civil society really find uh, important to maintain. And so, you know, one of the reasons that we want to foster the conversation is just to sort of bring to the forefront that if we work together to figure out what, you know, to figure out what is making people uncomfortable, what we can do on a practical, technical level and what we can't, all these kinds of things, just get them on the table. Um, then I think right. that our, our interests are very similar.
0: Well, I and I would agree with that but you know, one thing that the the anti-drone message of saying like you know there's this gentleman from the Foundation of Fundamental Rights, okay. And and it is true that you know there there are people uh that get killed by drones or whatever, but that's not really a drone problem, that's more of a, you know, uh an administrative problem, um, you know, as far as I see it. I mean, the drone manufacturer is not saying, you know, hey, let's let's uh, let's put these folks on the kill chain. That's the president.
3: Yeah. Well, so sometimes, I, I mean, I get de-
0: defensive about that because it's not really the drone's fault. You're blaming the drone, or oh, not you personally, but the the drone. The la- the blame is being laid on the drone, and it's misplaced because it's it's the president of the United States that signs off on the kill list. So. I, I get a, my hackles get up a little bit. Anybody want to comment on that?
4: I mean, I'm happy to. I think. I mean, I think that that is something that that we we've, we've seen a lot in organizing the conference, and and it's completely understandable, right? And it's reasonable to, that people from industry um, and you know people who are who are grown um, enthusiasts, people who are really into the um, the the technology. Uh, are frustrated when the conversations that they have end up being conversations about things that are far outside their purview, like U.S. foreign policy or the morality of war, um, which are really the bigger issues um, when you talk about something, for example, like the targeted killing program. That's not really, you know, uh, about drone manufacture or drone business. You know, it's really about whether or not it's okay to do that. And that's outside the purview of our conference for sure. Um, And I just want to briefly address the presence of of, um, Shazad Akbar, who is the lawyer you mentioned from the Foundation for Fundamental Rights, uh, because I invited him, and he's on a panel I'm organizing, so I can speak to why he's there and what he'll be talking about. Um, And that's, I mean, I'm willing to kind of take the responsibility for this one and shoulder it, because I know that that particular (laughs) panel, this title Life Under Drone, probably raises a lot of red flags for folks in industry who don't want to get stuck uh, you know, you know, in a position, w- in an impossible position where they, you know, are being accused of, of, of things that they may or may not even be involved with, and all of these right. issues about pharmacy are getting collapsed into the question of aerial robotics. Um, but the goal of that panel, for me, was to try to, and, and it's an ambitious goal, was to try to uh, illustrate that when we think about the future of, Civilian drone application. When we think about the future of living in a world where there are lots of UAVs in the sky, unmanned aerial systems are being used by a number of different, you know, probably you know, ap- applications that we can't even uh, anticipate right now. Much like most other technologies, um, you know, then it's 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 worth it to think about um, what evidence we have, what information today about what that could be like. And for better or for worse, um, I would say for worse, but again, it's not a question that we're going to ask, right? For better or for worse, the people who have been living every day under unmanned aircraft, uh, which is to say, like, uh, conducting their daily lives in space that is patrolled uh, above by sometimes kind of unmanned aerial system as opposed to something like um, Japan where they're used in agriculture, but they'd be over fields instead of over sort of inhabited areas. The people who've been living in this States for the longest amount of time, are people in Pakistan and Afghanistan, and the UAVs that they've been under, have been armed military UAVs? So the real purpose of this panel, and I admit that it may seem a little too deep for most people, but I think it will be um, uh, it'll be really interesting. Is to try well, to even... figure out what are any insights that we, as as uh, kind of policy and and industry people, can gain from listening to these stories that these um and you know, so he's not gonna speak about the law, he's gonna speak about interviews and the other people on the panel are uh you know, uh, ethnographers and people like that. Anything that we can gain that might actually teach us something about how unmanned aerial robotics in the sky affect people. Uh, you know just in general.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. Well, I mean, I don't know if you're going to have any industry people on that panel, but, I mean, it, it, you know, it goes right back to that's that's the policy laid down by the current administration, and it was the policy laid down before the election.
4: It's not really
0: yeah. a, a drone issue as far as yeah. I'm concerned.
4: <laughs> you, know, so. uh, you know, the that thing is, like,
3: you, you're totally right. It's not the target and Killing Con, you know. It's not TK Con. It's the drones and aerial robotics conference, uh, so, we we want to give a full spectrum treatment to you know, to drones, and that also that's, that's the thing we're talking about. You know, drones is kind of a scary word for people in the UAS industry.
0: Um, well, it doesn't bug me. We, I mean, I don't care what you call them. You can call them unicorns or whatever. It doesn't bug uh, me.
3: Yeah, yeah. So, so we're we're working on what you can classically call drones, RPAs, UAVs, UAS. Um, And from time to time when we have people and we try to bring them into the the research project that we're doing, um, you know, you'll you'll have people point out things, exactly what you're saying, you know, this is not a drones issue. uh, This is a due process issue in this case. Well, it's kind of the um, same,
0: well, not to cut you off, but it's the same with the privacy thing. I mean, when you, you talk like, about uh, police use or government use and storing photos or storing video or how it's used or whatever, I mean, these are public policy issues. And it kind of, you know, i got to be honest, it kind of gets my goat when I hear people say, oh, well, you know, uh, well, these drones are going to be doing all kinds of surveillance. All of these sensors already exist. And, you know, the drone's just a platform. uh So I mean, again, those are public public policy issues. I guess you could have like you know public policy about drones or whatever. But to to me, it's uh, that that's part of the I guess broad brush, but also compartmentalized thing with the anti-drone thing. And I'm I'm not putting your show down. I just think that uh, it's these might be some of the reasons there's like not really a lot of private or let's say um, industry participation. I mean, I don't know, and I, again, I'm not trying to be critical, but I mean, you know, who who else is going to be on this panel? Is it going to be the girl from Taco Copter talking about human rights, or, I mean...
3: Yeah, yeah it's, it's fair to say that uh, this is a, one of the only panels, if not the only panel that touches foreign policy and due process and, and targeted killing. In fact, we had a lot of internal debate whether we would even have this panel. You know, we have something like 12 panels and 24 other sessions, and you know, we had to really think, well, are we going to do this? Are we actually going to, like, open the door for people to talk about this? And the decision we made with respect to this one particular panel about targeted killing is we can't possibly give a full-spectrum treatment to drones as a phenomenon if we don't acknowledge that, you know, in the public, in the zeitgeist, this is what most people associate them with. Um, So it should add up to, you know, the bigger sort of serious policy conversation of do we need... Uh you know a new set of laws and frameworks to govern drones, or and this is I think our hunch in a lot of cases, do the existing laws and policies map pretty well to drones, and you know can we identify the places where they don't and, and fix them so this is a really constructive um sort of event, and we may be able to provide some examples of what's unique and specific to drones I think yeah that's
4: mm-hmm. absolutely. I- jump in to correct something that Ben said, because in, in no sense is this panel a panel about targeted killing. Um, we'll certainly discuss it in the context of the ways that um, the capacity that the drone people has shaped their experience of them. But uh, we're going to be speaking specifically, of, um, and on a very kind of granular level, about what it's like for ordinary people in these areas to to live with this technology, um, and we'll try to see if we can parse out the the military issues. It may be that that we decide that we can't, and and that there aren't too many insights we can gain. But on the off chance that there are, um, so the reason that the panel is is um, constructed the way it is is we have Mr. Akbar, who as an attorney has interviewed many, many people who live in these areas. Um, We have um, uh, Wajma Osman, uh, whose ethnographic work focuses on journalists in Afghanistan, which is one reason I thought she'd be interesting. We have, obviously, some of the issues about what affects journalists there may also be relevant for journalists here, since they're another group domestically that's very interested in the tech. Um, And um, Madiha Tahir, who's looked a lot at... um, young people in uh, in the parts of Pakistan that are patrolled by UAVs, so um, sort of people who have grown up with these things always being present because um, uh, they've been there for about 10 years, so uh, people between the ages of, you know, like um, 10 and, and 20, um, you know, young people, and sort of looking at uh, how that may or may not have shaped their understanding um, of, of their world. And, and so certainly will need to mention yeah. that you know for these people these are lethal things but we're really curious to to know in the in the first person accounts that, that our panelists have you know whether there's anything that that points to something bigger than that
0: yeah, yeah i you know i mean i i understand all that but i mean you know you're talking about i mean and i really didn't want to get too deep into this but i mean in, okay. you live in a war zone Uh, You know, who gets killed in war zones, you know? Uh, It's an unfortunate thing. Again, this is an administrative policy issue. It's a technology. It's a, you know, there's lots of ISR. I've worked on ISR projects. And a lot of these people, they get zapped, you know, protecting, uh, well, let's say if there's boots on the ground, they're they're not over there minding their own affairs, you know? Uh, And and they're getting whacked. So it's a weapon system, (laughs)
3: but... Yeah, that's totally right, and I think the, the thought is, um, you know, when we're looking at evergreen issues, like, you know, how do people think of the sky? That's actually a really interesting question. When you start to imagine a 50-year horizon where it's much cheaper to get a robot in the sky, you know, how does that change people's perception of the sky? So if you want to answer that question, I think our idea is you get a legal scholar, and we have someone like Stuart Banner who wrote a book called Who Owns the Sky?, and you know he looks at like the history of crop dusting and you know, farmers questioning you know whether they own the airspace above their real estate. You know so we have a guy like him who's who's looked into the past. Uh, we have people who have studied satellite reconnaissance. Uh, then we have people who are living under drones. You know and, and maybe they're not enemy combatants, but in fact, growing up as a five or six or seven year old kid, you know it, it may change your perception of the sky. And so. Our idea in the conference, with all these things, is when we're answering questions like this, or when we're exploring a long-range theoretical question like this, we want to get different perspectives on it. Um, And I I think this is kind of a challenging example of that because it's really charged. It's people in a war zone, and I think that this is going to be one of those very passionate moments in the event. But you know, we're also going to have very practical moments. So like, um, you know, you look at um, like a very specific legal. Area of interest is you know FOIA requests, Freedom of Information Act requests, <clears throat> and so you know we have a working group on FOIA and drones, and there's a few dimensions to this. You know one is y- you can't really know who has UAS um, in law enforcement and in agencies uh, unless you go and file thousands and thousands and thousands of FOIA requests to start to paint a picture uh, mm. of who does, because there's no definitive list of this. So. So one of the, pe- one of the projects uh, of the folks coming to the conference is you know, can we um, kind of build a mosaic of which agencies have UAS and understand how they're using them, right? But another side of the question is uh, if, if agencies and if states and if sort of public institutions start acquiring drones, um, who does that data belong to, right? So you know, we, we as taxpayers paid a lot of money to put weather satellites in place. And, in fact, the weather satellite data is public domain. Uh, now, if we're going to start flying drones around to monitor hurricanes or stop forest fires or to catch bad guys or whatever, um, when I file a FOIA request to get the data that that publicly-owned drone has captured, you know, what should happen? Should I, as a taxpayer, have access to that? And so these aren't really like, pro- or anti-drone questions. These are these are questions attenuated by drones.
0: Right, uh, we're gonna run long today, but if you guys want to stay on, we'll just keep we'll just keep uh, rolling on. If anybody's got to go, they can go too. Um, but I, I agree with that. The, the FOIA request thing ought to be interesting. It's funny is that uh, request for all the COAs and experimentals and whatever else. I first put in a FOIA request for that back in two thousand and eight, and I'm actually still waiting. So you know, <laughs> I would actually. You should uh, jump in. Yeah, well, I'm interested in, in seeing that one, too, because they're actually, I've been trying to, uh, let's say, reach out to EFF or ACLU and, you know, talk about these issues and also maybe try and work together to get, uh, I've, I've got a bunch of FOIA requests out there as far as progress reports of the UAPO, um, you know, uh, FOIA request for the financials for those offices, the, and, you know, what happened with the money, who did what, what you know, what's going on here. Uh, and I've got no, no uh, nothing on any of that, really. It's, uh, the last thing I did get was the job descriptions for the manager of the UAPO, which is now the UASIO, but anyway, that's another story. I do want to let Gene, Gene, do you want to hop in here? We covered a lot of real estate, and you were silent.
1: Well, the reason I was silent is because I'm having a heck of a time with the connection here. I don't know what the deal is, but uh, uh, I, one of the things that that I kind of, the perspective of uh, a drone in a war zone, known, say, for example, Pakistan and the type of uses that we're doing here, we've never espoused weaponizing anything, and we we don't think that that's a, a proper use for drones here at CONUS. And uh, granted, there is a, a sociological Study that needs to be done to see what it's like to live under drones. But I I think it's going to be very much along the same lines of, uh, you know, surveillance cameras on red lights and that sort of thing. No one has really asked me, you know, how I feel about, you know, having my picture taken every time I go to the ATM and, and ATM and out cash. But I can remember growing up when people were asking those sorts of questions And it just generally became more acceptable and nobody asked a thing about it after that. So I think it's it's a very different perspective from being on the civilian side and being in a war zone, not only from a technology standpoint, from a social standpoint as well. That's one of the things I wanted to say.
0: Well, and, I mean, I understand, too. I mean, I, I can understand people's apprehension with privacy. But, I mean, it's just, uh, you know, with the, the NSA thing
3: and... But,
1: but but nobody has complained about traffic light cameras or, you know, going down a tollway where they take your, your picture, you know, every mile. Uh, nobody has complained about that. Uh, you know, nobody has really gotten into an uproar over uh, cookies being installed in your computer. I mean, they're a nuisance, yeah, and they, some of them can be malicious, but, you know, where is the hue and cry over that?
0: Anybody want to field that one? Or is it just well, – I, I
2: mean – I, I, Well, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, you know, I was just going to quickly say that, you know, part of that is, you know, within the privacy space, within the legal world, we have a concept of what is a reasonable expectation of privacy. Um, um, and so when you talk about things like the cameras that are – at the red light – you know, there's a difference between the reasonable expectation of privacy there uh, when you're driving your car in public versus the one uh, where you're in your bedroom and the drone with a camera flies by.? Right? So what is really interesting about I mean particularly in this space is, is, is what and then touched on this a little bit before, you know, this is about looking at the way that this technology actually transforms some of those concepts. Um, you know, it's about thinking about where, you know, what are the what are the existing sort of regulatory frameworks and law and policy frameworks that govern these kinds of things, and how uh, do unmanned systems actually transform that and change that into something else, and 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 you know, by investigating what that gets changed into. You know, that's one of the that's that's one of the ways that we can begin to have this conversation about you know how do we need new laws? You know, how do the existing laws map onto it, and what are the sort of analogs to, to um, and corollaries that we can look at um, when it comes uh, when it comes to this stuff? What, what can we look at in the past? What kind of history of um, you know technological change and the way that we've accepted those things can we look at in the past, and and what can we correct here? Um, but I mean, there is a, there is a, a I think a, a difference between what drones, what drones and unmanned, um, unmanned systems do that are slightly different from, um, you know, what happens when you are driving, you know, when you, when you, when you're speeding or you run a red light. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, yeah. it's not so much that that I, I, I see the difference there, but the, the impact at the time of their introduction was just as prov- profound. And uh, it was just as far-reaching. I'm, I'm not using that as a specific example, you know, as an apples-to-apples comparison. I'm All talking right, about no, a broader I'm sense of – that, I think, think it, you're totally you right. One of, of the, the things that
0: we've
2: is, noticed, is, it, you uh, know, it, it, at least
1: to
0: me, One at a time. One at
1: a
2: time. <laughs> right. Right. But, you know, you it is – normative phenomenon, right, where we think of, we have to think about these things and think about the way these technologies transform, you know, specific parts of our lives. And I agree with you, like, these these were probably questions that were asked a while ago. Um, but that is sort of, you know, one of the reasons that we are bringing together this thing to look at, you know, not everyone that we're bringing to the table here is, um you know a per se you know drone expert, right, a lot of the people that we 're bringing to the table here are people that have been working in spaces that are sort of similar um, or have some sort of tangential relationship to the the unmanned systems phenomenon, and that we 're bringing them in because they're experts in that, and we think that there's you know, having them as part of the conversation to map some of those past experiences onto what's happening right now, I think is sort of, a, you know, it's a very beneficial sort of thing to have going on. Yeah,
3: and and I, uh, as someone along with Leah and Chris putting this thing together, cannot resist an opportunity to plug the event itself. Um, so, Pat, you may have listeners who are interested. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and
0: I mean, there's a lot of interest in that in the thing, and I think we're, I mean. I, I hope you don't. I, we didn't like probably bring you on here and beat you up. I just think that we're you know we're talking about some of the zeitgeist issues, and I think we're 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 laying that out here right now. And and this is I I, I kind of my participation in the show. This is kind of what I ha- hope is going on out there. I mean I, I hope it's you know three days of some in depth you know uh, let's say real discussions. But I do want you to plug the show and give people the uh could can, can we get the web address while you're while you're on that topic?
3: Yes, absolutely. So it's the Drones and Aerial Robotics Conference at droneconference.org. Uh it's droneconference.org. October eleventh, twelfth, and an extra special day of um hands on hacking on the thirteenth. Uh you can find out more at that website. And I just I want to impress that you know if you have any interest in any of the issues that we've talked about uh, whether at the zeitgeist level or at the sort of very granular policy level, uh, it's it's really kind of an open and, and inclusive event. So you can check out the schedule. You can see what's going on. We've got talks, panels, workshops. Um, yeah, it would be a really interesting.
0: It will, and you know, like I said, that's that's one of the reasons I, I, I'll be there. I want to participate. I think it's going to be good um, to, to kind of get this out here, and uh, you know, we're trying to get people to our folks a flavor for what's going to be happening. But uh, Leah, did did you get to say what you wanted to say or did I cut you off?
4: Oh, it's all right. I was, I just, I wanted to just say that. Uh, I mean, what you said about having you know real in depth conversations is, I think that's really what we are going for, um, and it's. You know, I think that there are there's more commonality than maybe uh, most of us think, but there will also be points where everybody disagrees, and that's also great. We're, we want to foster sure. just a conversation that's safe. And, um, and I think what what Jean said, I just wanted to to, to piggyback on it and say that something that I noticed, uh, you know, about UAVs that was so fascinating is how present they are in the public's uh, kind of imagination um, in a way that, for example, Cameras on ATMs maybe aren't, or aren't anymore. So it's actually a way to have that bigger conversation about whether we're okay with, with all of those things. Um, mm. You know, because this particular subject is one that that captures people's imaginations, uh, even though the the underlying issues are, are really, in many cases, the the same. Are issues that we've seen before? Um, so so that's that's a big part of why we think this is going to be a productive discussion. Uh,
0: uh, overall, um, absolutely, and and I'm I'm glad. I mean, I think this is a good uh, primer for the show. And I, I got to be honest. I mean, I if you go to uh, let's say a conference and, and there's not let's say um, a conversation like this. I don't really, you know, I don't even know what the point is of going, you know, it's a self-adulation society (laughs) thing, so I think this is going to be good, and I do want, you know, the guests, uh, and I appreciate you guys sticking it out, and I hope nobody thought I was beating up on them, I'm just, it's like, you know, we're here now, we're talking about it, getting kind of fired up, and that's what the show's all about, but I do want to, I want to give everyone uh, a a chance to, uh, somebody waiting for a bus, (laughs) I want to give everyone a chance to say something in closing that they may have not got to cover during the, the program. So we'll start with Ben. Ben, you, do you have uh, some closing um, statements you, you would like to make, sir? Uh,
3: yeah, I'll make it brief. We are trying to create an event where uh, a hobby roboticist, you know, somebody building a, like an FPV quadcopter, can meet and have a constructive dialogue with, uh, the people writing his destiny at the FAA uh, and, and other agencies. And so well, that, that's really what we're going for. We want beards and suits. And so if, you are, uh, if you're a beard uh, and you're a, a long-haired hacker type, we want you there. If you're a suit and you're involved in some of the serious policy questions, we want you there, and we think you'll have a good time.
0: I think that might be a good name for a pub, you know, beards and suits. <laughs> so if the drone thing doesn't work out, you might have a, a future in the uh, entertainment or you know public uh, sector. All right, uh, Christopher, would something you'd like to say, sir? Uh,
2: yeah, no. I mean, I would obviously second everything that that's been said. You know, great, great name for a pub. Um, but yeah, this is been, like, this is the, the point of this is to bring together an interdisciplinary group of people, um, and we have to understand that that drones. Uh, that unmanned systems as a sort of technology are, are really, uh, you know, the teachable moment of this technology is very interesting because it's such, it's an amalgamation of so many different things uh, that are sort of all coming together at the same time. And the, so the confluence of, these technolo- of the technology and the law and policy issues and uh, all the things that you can do with these things um, makes this an important opportunity for us um as the public to sort of get our you know get our voices in there and, and make sure that what happens in the next couple of years is actually a responsible um you know policy and responsible framework for for governing something that's gonna have an effect on all of us.
0: Right, right. I I think that makes sense. Um and, and Leah we'll we'll uh we'll we'll give you kind of the last word.
4: Yeah. I I got a lot of words in edgewise um but I I just want to thank you again Patrick for having us on your podcast um, and giving us this opportunity and for your support of of our event cuz uh as we said at the beginning we we're kind of an unknown quantity to the UAV industry but we've been fortunate in being able to get you know a lot of interesting people from uh from that sector uh as well so uh hopefully it'll be a really exciting conference um and yeah just just generally you know um we we want it to be very hands on and participatory because I think you know part of it is that the um the you know the relative ignorance uh in the sort of hobby world and even in the industry world uh when it comes to you know who's actually writing the 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 rules or the rule sets and what the rule sets will say you know it's it's been very opaque, and so um it's important I think for those of us who will be directly affected by the future of this technology, which may very well be kind of all of us just to different degrees. Uh but it's important for us to, to jump in now when we can and, and say publicly what we what we want or what we think. Um you know, and so and that, that includes everyone. That includes skeptics and enthusiasts and everything in the middle. Um and uh and as Ben said, we're we're hoping to have a persistent uh presence in the discussion and to be a, a useful resource uh, across the board for people who want to find uh, that kind of general information about the landscape of, of UAV, um, you guys can all come. It's October 11th to the 13th in New York, droneconference.org. That's all.
0: All right. Well, yeah, and I, I agree with all of that. I think uh, it's going to be a good thing. Uh Gene?
4: Yep,
1: I agreed with a lot of it, too, and wanted to make comments on stuff, but for the sake of continuity, I guess I'll sit over here and keep hoping for a good solid cell signal so I can participate better next week.
0: Uh, well, you know, sometimes that happens. Technology is great when it's working. Uh, anyway, yep. I I uh, I think this was a very productive uh, conversation. I think it uh, gives something for people to really think about, and I would suggest that you come on out to Dark and listen to what uh, what what's going to be talked about, and and hopefully participate in the conversation. Like I said, that's why I'm going to be there. I I hope to uh, you know dispel some, let's say. Some ill will or wrong feelings or whatever. We'll see what we can do. But anyway, that's all we have time for this week. We'll we'll hear everyone next week. Thanks to all our guests, and uh, we'll I'll
1: see you guys soon. Okay, good Thank luck you. on the show. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye now.